Okay, what it means to know God. A little different, a little different tonight. I'm going to go over a few texts. I'm going to ask you what they have in common. Okay? We're going to go over a few texts and try to try to convey a thought tonight for you to help you in your walk with God. What it means to know God. What it is to know God. Here's some verses. Our, our text verse is actually this Isaiah 65-24. It shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they are yet speaking, I will hear. And, and Paul in Philippians 3.10, it kind of gives his, his heart's desire, if you want to put it that way, in life. Is, I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being made conformable unto His death. I often have repeated that myself in prayer. How do you like the last part, being made conformable unto His death? That was crucifixion. Scourging and crucifixion. Wow. Unbelievable dedication there. Then another verse here, he says, and this is Paul again, 2 Timothy 1.12, for which cause I also suffer these things, nevertheless I'm not ashamed. And it's my emphasis, by the way. For I know whom I have believed. I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Again, he says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 19, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. And then he's, in Genesis chapter 18, God says something, maybe the one of the best compliments you're ever going to get from, to have God say something like this about you is unbelievably wonderful. For I know him, he's talking about Abraham, that he will command his children and his household after him. As a parent, no greater compliment could be given you right there. Right there. I know him, he's going to command. His children are not going to run him. His life is not around his children. His children follow him. For I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord and do justice and judgment. The Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he hath spoken of him. That started in chapter 12 and is uh, God's compliment to him here in the 18th chapter. So, what do these verses have in common? What do they have in common? They have in common that all speak of an intimate relationship and fellowship between God and a person. They all speak of a knowing. The word there is to experientially know. Like if you ask me, do I know Kathy Lytell, Kathy Moore? I say, I do know her. I know her ex experientially. We've, we, have, uh, we have actually gotten to know each other. Did I know her when she was uh, 16? I knew her when she was 16. But I didn't know her. Like I know her now. So what has changed between a relationship between a 16-year-old and a 69-year-old? There's been a lot of time between the two. We've walked a lot of miles together, as it were. We've endured some storms together. Right? That helps you to do what? Get to know somebody. 
And I believe that that really maps out what the Christian life is all about. A number of you, possibly in this room or over the internet, do not know the Lord the way the Bible tells you you need to know Him. And we eventually will know Him if you trust Him and keep following Him. Especially new believers, you trust the Lord. Amen. Amen. You get saved, you trust the Lord. You put your faith in Him. It's a faith of a grain of a mustard seed. It's not a big faith. It's not a tribe faith. But you put your faith that you have in Christ, that He was, he was the Messiah. He's the Christ, the Son of the living God. He came. He, he uh, lived the life. He satisfied the justice of God. He died on the cross, shed His blood, was raised the third day, eventually resurrected and ascended to the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us. Now, you would not, a new believer won't even know all that theology. That's stuff that takes time to learn. They just know that Jesus died for them and He put His hand out and loved them. He's convicted them because getting saved is a coupling of the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. So they trust Him. But you couldn't say that they really knew Him. That they knew Him. Uh, Let me give you an illustration of what I'm trying to say. When you fly a commercial airline, you may know the name of the pilot assigned to the plane. And you may shake hands with him at the entrance of the plane. And I I have done that. You probably have too. But you do not know him. But indeed you are trusting him with your life. And the testimony of that is you got on board. And when you got saved, you got on board the the gospel train. You got on board salvation. The ship, old ship of Zion. You got on board. But to say that you... Because you know Jesus' name and because you knew He died and was buried and rose again the third day doesn't mean you know Him. Not the way these verses we're talking about. This is a a new level of knowledge that it's talking about. So consequently, there must be a difference between being saved and knowing Christ. There must be a difference between the two. And even though God is omniscient, all-knowing, He still seems to need and want to experientially know us. Why did God, the question is, redeem man anyway? What was the whole point of that? To keep him out of hell? Well, that was a a reason, but it wasn't the main one, I don't believe. It was to establish a fellowship and a relationship with him. Now, as you get as you begin to grow in Christ, it starts to become apparent that God just didn't want to save you from hell. He wants to know you. Wants to fellowship with you. Wants to have an intimate relationship with you. The Holy Spirit coming in you and never leaving you tells how serious He is about that. John chapter 14. In so many other places, actually 14, 15, 16, say more about the Holy Spirit than anywhere else in the New Testament. So, what happened in the garden? Well, the Bible says in the cool of the evening, Genesis 3, 8, he walked with Adam and Eve. It was a, it was a moment of intimate fellowship and, and of peace together. What stopped all that? Sin, didn't it? Sin stopped that. Wherever sin comes, there's a separation. Sorrow and loneliness. If you and your wife are not getting along, there's sin somewhere. 
you can just mark it in your book. If you're with a group of people and you're, you're having contention, because the Bible says wherever there's contention, there's pride. Pride's sin. I'm just calling it another name. So if you've got a church that's got a sweet spirit and a unity together, that means this probably doesn't have a lot of festering sin going on. That there's a, there's, that's what the Spirit of God would, ha, would have us to be, by the way. But if you've got strife, and if you've got envy, and if you've got, you know, there's jealousy over position, and jealousy over recognition, that's of the flesh. That is not of God. None of God. Paul says that I may know Him. I know whom I have believed. I know the love of Christ. God says, Abraham, I know Him. And I know He's going to take care of His household and His children afterwards. I'm going to reveal stuff to Him that nobody else gets the privilege of knowing. So knowing the Lord is a process of growth over time. I told you the illustration about rushing a tree. You can't rush growth. You can, only, you, can, you can help growth. Fertilizer helps plants grow. You know that. But if you put too much of it on them, they'll overgrow and basically get distorted and die. I've had it happen. I've tried to do it. I can take a thing called Bloom Special, which is a, of the three numbers, the middle number is larger than the other two, and it will bloom. You can almost force a bloom. You can force a bloom on a on an orange tree or a lemon tree, or you can force a bloom on it. But ultimately, it's not good for the plant. And a Christian growth, I hate to say it, but it's a lifetime thing. It's a lifetime relationship. Some people try to go to college and get like, compress it, compress it, cram it. We're going to really grow in four years of college, man, I'm coming out, woo! No, no. College oftentimes is a place to backslide. A place to get hard. A place to lose your relationship. Lose your walk. And lose yourself. Walking through the trials and testings of life with Him creates a bond. I've been married 50 years. And my relationship with my wife today is better than it's ever been. I don't know what hers is to me, but I'm just telling you what mine is to her. But uh, I was, she told me the other day, she says, I really like to work with you. That's nice. Coming out the other side of these trials and testings and tribulations over a period of time, you develop an intimacy with God. You begin to know Him. Whom to know is life everlasting. Amen? You need to know God. This isn't just about being saved and going to heaven. This is bigger than that. This is really about eternity. And uh, what people say, what am I going to do in heaven? That's carnal. It's who are you going to be with and fellowship in heaven. You know what's going to be beautiful in heaven? I'll be able to fellowship with you on a whole nother level. Right now I cannot fellowship with you on that level because of my sin nature would not allow that to happen. It would... It would raise this ugly head and in you and me. Right? Have you, have you ever outstayed your welcome at somebody's house? That's just a sin nature. You know? If you, if you, you know, how could you outstay yourself, right? I pressed Ernie and, and Beverly to their limit, man. I stayed three weeks with him. 
They are heroes, I'll tell you what. Almost there's seven statements. Don't, don't worry about it. It's not going to be that long. Seven statements about knowing God. Got some things I want to mention on the first one here, especially. Uh, not everybody here tonight understands what I'm saying, and I expect that. Number one, God wants to know you and wants you to know Him. Over some simple, I suppose. I think of uh, Mrs. K, which we, we call her Mrs. K because the camera has too long to spell. Bethany Vanneman, which is our K3 and 4 teacher. We have Amy, our 3rd and 4th grade teacher. And we have Anahi, which is our 1st and 2nd grade teacher. Okay? I know you, you, you think your child... It's a wonderful, wonderful and fun to be around, but you know, I, I've watched these girls at the beginning of the year, you know, when they get about 15, 20 of these little darlings. You know, the end of the day. These teachers, no kidding, these teachers, I've watched them, they give. They give their time, they give their love, they give their hugs, they give their smiles. They give their instruction. They give comfort. They wipe tears from the cheeks of the crying children. They change. <laughs> Some cases they change diapers. They shouldn't be doing that. Sometimes uh, they fix bloody knees, bloody hands. You know, these kids are cutting themselves on a regular basis. Uh, they come in, come in the office. They come in the office sick. And then I have them set outside. It's Florida. It's Florida. But then I witnessed a phenomenon. Last day of school. Children all leave. The teacher walks back into a dead, dead, quiet room. And you would think that they would have a spell. You'd think they'd jump around, throw their hands up in the air, Throw glitter around. But no. If you could be a mouse, you'd see them weeping as they look at those empty desks and visualize the little smiling faces that they saw for nine months. Look up at them like a nest full of babies looks at their mother. It is then that there is a longing in the heart of that teacher to be loved, to be comforted, to be hugged, and to be consoled. And that's what those children did for them. See, at first the teacher's given, 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 given. But pretty soon the children are beginning to give back. They hear their name, Mrs. K, Mrs. K, Miss Miley. So many years. How many times God has given to us and given to us and given to us. And we take, take, and take. And never stop and turn around and hug Him. How God longs 
for you tonight to love Him. To tell Him you love Him. I'm always praying for something and asking for something and taking, taking, taking. See, sometimes we make God out to be sterile. He's not sterile. He's not sterile. He's the one that gave us our emotions. He knows all about it. The Bible talks about God laughing, God crying. Jesus wept. Wept over Lazarus. Wept over Jerusalem. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Often when I have taken you under my wing like a hen gathers the chicks under her wings. Oh, that's a tender picture. I've had chickens. And I had them sit on their own eggs. And they hatched their own eggs. Nothing cuter in the world than them little chicks under that. And that mother, they'll all, that mother will do something with her feathers where they all kind of go out and the chicks just disappear in the chicken, in the hen. Disappear. And then she put the feathers back over her two wings. And she'll have one sound that she makes, some sort of a cluck, that wherever they're at, they turn around, run, and dive into her, 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 her uh, covey of, of feathers. It's a tender, tender thing. God wants to know you and wants you to know Him. Secondly, God did not save you just to keep you from hell. He wants to know you. Paul said it in 2 Corinthians 12, 14. He said, Behold, the third time I am ready to come to you, but I will not be burdensome to you, for I seek not yours, but you. God did not save me so I could just serve Him, so I could work, so I could testify, so I could preach, so I could teach, so I could do all this service for Him in the kingdom of God. He saved me primarily so I could know Him. Because he couldn't know me until my sins were forgiven. Because that sin, remember, sin always separates. Always, always separates. Thirdly, so you spend time with him, he does not immediately answer prayer. This may solve a mystery in some sort. This is my opinion on this. You ever wonder why God does not just immediately give you what you ask for in prayer, but oftentimes it cause you to pray, to come back, to weep for it, to cry for it. I know when I quit smoking, it was a hundred times I begged God with tears. Please take these away from me. It was the only way He was going to get me to pay attention to Him. He couldn't answer. He didn't answer the prayer. He got some time to spend with me and I spent some time with him because I needed him. That is selfish and it is immature, but that's where I was. Fourthly, once we get into the place where we enjoy his presence, he begins to abbreviate the asking. The trouble is we've got to be flat on our back with a gun to our head before we get serious about fellowshipping with God. I'm guilty. I've been guilty of that. If things are going smooth and everything's good and everything's right, 
why do we quit talking to him? We don't seem to feel the need to talk to him anymore. So it's, he's just an errand boy. When we have trouble, we run to him and say, hey, help me, help me, help me. No, that's not, that's not God. He wants you to come to him as much in the good times as you do in the bad times. And if you do that, as you grow, you begin to do that. And he begins to be able to abbreviate the answer. What I'm trying to say is he, he answers you before you ask. It's beautiful. <laughs> what a way. Fifthly, after a few years, we seek Him long for times of fellowship with Him. Now then we begin, as we grow in Christ, begin to actually seek God, not for something. But we seek God because of who He is. We dwell on the beauty of His holiness and the person of who He is. And to some of you, this is Chinese tonight. This is foreign to you tonight. That's because you're immature still. But God is longing to mature you. I think of running. I started running on 40. I think I was about 40. And uh, I can't tell you anything in life I hate more than running. It's, a, it's, it's just one of the most boring, thoughtless, mindless horrors. Plus, it's painful. Painful. When I, I did everything I could, ran as far as I could. The first time I went out, I ran a quarter mile. I was so out of breath, I thought I was going to have to die to get better. It took me a long time to get to a half a mile. And then a mile was a big mile. I could go a mile, but now I was totally winded and shot still. Then finally, I got to go like a mile and a half, then two miles. And, no, and then, then, then something happened. A phenomenon took place that I began to enjoy it. You say you're a masochist. When I would somehow have work interrupt my run time, I felt off my game. I felt odd. I felt out of sorts. I felt like something was missing in my life. I just felt like I had to go back. I had to get out there the next day. If I couldn't make it, I ran three times a week. So it was... You know, I'd miss it. I'd have to miss a day. and I'd, But you just didn't feel it. And I got thinking how funny that was. Something I used to have to just beat myself and force myself. Tim River and I had a covenant between each other that we went no matter what. One time he wouldn't go, I'd call him. And he'd say, Preacher, I just can't go tonight. And I said, Brother, don't make me come over there with a baseball bat, but you're going running. Because that was the covenant that we had that we would force each other to go. He said, okay, I'm going, I'm going, I'll get my stuff on. I said, come on. At the end of the thing, he thanked me. Oh, thank him, preacher, thank you. But eventually, we didn't have to do that anymore. He would, I didn't have to call him, he didn't have to call me. We'd meet at a certain time, certain place, and we'd run together. And I know this is it's hard to believe, but God wants to get you to a place of fellowship and maturity to where you want and are eager for the times you can spend with him. You're, you're eager for it. What you once dreaded to do. Oh, prayer time. I go through my dry list. Da, 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 da. Pray for all these people. Pray for you think that makes God, this is how I make God half sick. I'm not against prayer lists. I got them. 
But your heart's got to be in it. That's going to your wife and saying, uh, where's my three by five? I love you, Kathy. Oh, that means a lot. She wants impromptu. She wants to the well out of your heart. That's God. That's God. Um, number six. We got number six yet? No. At this point, God answers many of our prayers before we ask. Now, that was our text. And it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they are speaking, I will hear. He's not talking about the average Christian. He's talking about a very mature follower and believer. He's talking about somebody who spent a lot of time and wants to spend time and every day is in constant prayer. You know, without ceasing. That's what praying without ceasing is. It's always a fellowship and a talk. I got up last night. I counted six times I got up last night. Six times. Anybody, anybody beat me? Anybody beat me? You beat me? As if you got a baby though. I got no baby, brother. It's, it's quiet in my house. Six times I get up. I counted them. And I had a, a, physical, a, a bodily function. I'm beginning to enjoy that. It is beautiful. I get to get up and say, Lord Jesus, good to see you. And I'm, I'm, you know, I walk to the rest. I'm walking to the restroom. I'm saying, Lord, you know, help Bill Jackson. He's been in bad shape lately. Oh, no, not Bill. Millie. Lord, I love you. Sometimes I don't pray for anything. I just say, Lord, I love you. Thank you for helping me today. Thank you for being with Thank you for saving. The older I get, the more grateful I'm getting. My gratitude level keeps getting bigger and bigger because I begin to see the big picture. Um, you say, when has he ever answered before you called? I told the story before. My wife and I, I had a dream. I had a dream. I never told anybody. I wanted to go to Israel. But I didn't want to go to Israel on some lousy tour. I wanted to go to Israel on an uh, archaeological and history tour. It's three weeks, not no 10-day deal, 21 days. And I wanted, it was, and, it was, and you got a master's degree credit for going if you wrote a paper at the end of it. So it was serious business. It wasn't just going over there and look at this, look at this. It wasn't a tourist thing. But it was expensive. Really expensive. And I knew there was just no way. There was no way I was going to do that. I never shared it with anybody. I'm not even, I'm not, I don't think I even told my wife. I'm pretty sure I didn't tell her. And I gave it up. I gave it up. And I was in my office here in 1992. I was, hadn't even been a senior pastor a year yet. And I got a call from Bob Jones University. And they said, We're, it's Bob Jones uh, Travel Department. I forgot what they called it. But uh, somebody has donated. Uh, we have this trip going. We have this archaeological history tour going to Israel this year. And somebody has donated for both you and your wife. See, I thought if I ever got to go, it'd just be me. There's no way I could afford both of us. And so I figured it was just going to be me. She would not be included in it. And he says, both of us have been anonymous, and we're, all expenses paid everything. I said, you got me. I had me a little spell. Had me a little spell. Hung up that phone. 
I'm unworthy of this. I never prayed for this. I never asked for this. I never told anybody about this. But you delight yourself in the Lord. And He'll give you if He could trust you the desires of your heart. Number seven. You then will spend time with God loving Him and He will give you reaping before you sow. Let me give you the illustration of what this means. You can have your child come to you and say, and beg you, Daddy, 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 please give me an ice cream cone. Please, uh, uh, Snicker ice cream bar. The boy's got good taste. Daddy, 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 please give me a Snicker ice cream. I want the large one too. Snicker, Snicker ice cream bar, the best thing known to man. I bet I don't have any smell right now, so I, I don't even go waste my time buying one. But Snicker ice cream bar, when I could smell, was the best thing I ever ate in my life. And wow, you can have your kid beg you, beg you, beg you, beg you, and after he begs you long enough, you know what? You'll probably go get him one. Or you could have your child come to you and say, Daddy, I love you. I'm glad that you're my dad. I just want to spend time with you. I appreciate what you've done for me. I appreciate you working all those years and providing a safe place to live and suffering through untold amount of difficulties to make it where I had a, could go to school or had clothes and shoes. And I just love you. And I want to thank you for that. And then you'll say, let's go get us a large Snicker ice cream bar. Now you got the Snicker ice cream bar both either way, but which is the best way? You may beg God into giving it to you just because you're tired of hearing you. Or you can love on Him. And he'll give you reap. He'll you'll let you reap before you even sow. Conclusion here. Where are you in this process? Are you still giving God the minimum of your fellowship, just as little as you can? And it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. You want to come and spend some time with God? He wants to spend some time with you. Father, thank You for tonight. Thank You for the Holy Spirit. Thank You for the Bible. Thank You for our relationship. Help us to see it. In Jesus' name, amen.
If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.